This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. And I want to start today by saying everything that is created is sustained by its source. Everything. Whatever has been created, you cut it off from the source, it dies. It's like a river that the spring has dried up. If the spring, spring dries up, is a matter of time that river will dry up. Imagine you have a ceiling fan that is powered and it's, it's rolling, it's rolling, it's rolling. You turn off the power, it will still be rolling and still be rolling and rolling using the energy that was left. But after a while, it's going to stop. And that's what it is. Everything that has been created is sustained from the source and by the source. Genesis chapter 1 verse 11. The Bible says, Then God said, Let the land sprout out with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant, and the trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. That is why you take any plant, you take them from the earth, you take them from the land, and decide to put it in a jar on the table, it's going to wither and die. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Why? The source, God called vegetation out of the earth. This earth, the land is the source. It came out of the soil and will be sustained by the soil. Jump to verse 20 of Genesis chapter 1. The Bible says, then God said, let the water swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. If you take a bird, put a bird in the water, it will drown and it will die. You know why? That is not the source. That is not what sustains it. You take a fish and throw it in the air and say, just hang out. There's oxygen in water. There's oxygen in the air. That fish is going to die. Praise the Lord and so on and so forth. I'm going to jump. In verse 27, the Bible says, and God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. But it didn't tell us the manner in which he did it. You jump to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. Amen. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. So man, God fashioned from the dust, right? He didn't speak us to be, you know. He was very delicately, he fashioned you. That is why the psalmist says in Psalm uh, uh, 139, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And somebody says some people are more fearfully than what but that's a story for another day. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So God took time to fashion you. So when you think about yourself, think about the very best of God. Because God with his own hands crafted you. Oh, you don't believe me. God with his own hands crafted me. So it really doesn't matter what you say. My head is this, my back is that. Whatever you like you say, you are the owner of your mouth. 
you can say anything you want to say, but when God crafted you, he crafted you with his own hands with the very detail of what he wants you to be like. And that's what you look like today. But when he was done, that man was lifeless. It was a beautiful sculpture, but there was no life in it. And then God himself breathed into man. And it became a living person. A life that is separated from God will wither off ultimately. Is the point I'm making there. You know, uh, may we not depart from him in the name of Jesus. And if you don't know him yet, I pray that today you will make a decision to come back to God. But we see in Genesis chapter 3, uh, Adam and Eve, they decided to disobey. And they were separated from God. It was a spiritual separation. So for all intents and purposes, they were dead. Amen. They were dead. And that's why Jesus had to come back. That is the benefit that you and I both have. Praise the Lord. The breath of God is what made man a living being. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. The scripture tells us the first man, Adam, became a living person. A living person. Remember God fashioned and created and sculpted this clay. But he was lifeless until God breathed into him. He says the first man became a living person, but the last Adam. Somebody say the last Adam. The last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. Two very different uh, situations here. So let's, uh, let's fast forward very quickly. Let's jump into Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, and I'll read from 14 to 16. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Two things there, children of God and led by the Spirit. Amen. So all those that are led by the Spirit... So hold that in your back pocket. We're coming back to it. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him what? Abba, Father. Verse 16. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So we see two things clearly here. There's the spirit of God and there's the spirit of man. The connection we have with God is through our spirit. The flesh cannot serve God. The flesh cannot follow God. The flesh is alien to God. Why? Because the flesh is simply what? Dust. The real you is your spirit man. And that spirit man is the one God wants to interact with. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. Proverbs 20, 27. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. So our connection to God is through our spirit man. Praise the Lord. Are you following? So our connection to God is through the spirit man. When we get born again, that is what happens. Our spirit man comes alive. 
So we have been introduced to the spirit of God and the spirit of man. And that is the connection. That is how man connects to God. The life of God, we're talking about the abundant life. You know, one, one of the things I've seen about us believers is when you hear the abundant life, you know, we forget the key word there. The key word there is life, not the abundant. The abundant is a, is a qualifying word. But the, the active word, what you're really looking for there is the life. So the abundance tells you the measure of the life. If you have abundance without the life, then you have nothing. Amen? So the life of God is the nature of God. And that's what I want us to explore in the remaining time today. In John chapter 1 verse 4, John chapter 1 verse 4, the Bible says, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And I want to start today by saying, everything that is created is sustained by its source. Everything. Whatever has been created, you cut it off from the source, it dies. It's like a river that the spring has dried up. If the spring, spring dries up, is a matter of time that river will dry up. Imagine you have a ceiling fan that is powered and it's, it's rolling, it's rolling, it's rolling. You turn off the power, it will still be rolling and still be rolling and rolling using the energy that was left. But after a while, it's going to stop. And that's what it is. Everything that has been created is sustained from the source and by the source. Genesis chapter 1 verse 11. The Bible says, Then God said, Let the land sprout out with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant, and the trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. That is why you take any plant, you take them from the earth, you take them from the land, and decide to put it in a jar on the table, it's going to wither and die. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Why? The source, God called vegetation out of the earth. The earth, the land is the source. It came out of the soil and will be sustained by the soil. Jump to verse 20 of Genesis chapter 1. The Bible says, then God said, let the water swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. If you take a bird, put a bird in the water, it will drown and it will die. You know why? That is not the source. That is not what sustains it. You take a fish and throw it in the air and say, just hang out. There's oxygen in water. There's oxygen in the air. That fish is going to die. Praise the Lord. And so on and so forth. I'm going to jump. In verse 27, the Bible says, And God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. But he didn't tell us the manner in which he did it. You jump to Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. It says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. Amen. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. 
So man, God fashioned from the dust, right? He didn't speak us to be, you know. He was very delicately, he fashioned you. That is why the psalmist says in Psalm uh, uh, 139, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And somebody says some people are more fearfully than what, but that's story for another day. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So God took time to fashion you. So when you think about yourself, think about the very best of God. Because God with his own hands crafted you. Oh, you don't believe me. God with his own hands crafted me. So it really doesn't matter what you say. My head is this. My back is that. Whatever you like you say. You are the owner of your mouth. You can say anything you want to say. But when God crafted you, he crafted you with his own hands with the very detail of what he wants you to be like. And that's what you look like today. But when he was done, that man was lifeless. It was a beautiful sculpture. But there was no life in it. And then God himself breathed into man. And it became a living person. A life that is separated from God will wither off ultimately. Is the point I'm making there. You know, uh, may we not depart from him in the name of Jesus. And if you don't know him yet, I pray that today you will make a decision to come back to God. But we see in Genesis chapter 3, uh, Adam and Eve, they decided to disobey. And they were separated from God. It was a spiritual separation. So for all intents and purposes, they were dead. Amen? They were dead. And that's why Jesus had to come back. That is the benefit that you and I both have. Praise the Lord. The breath of God is what made man a living being. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. The scripture tells us the first man, Adam, became a living person. A living person. Remember, God fashioned and created and sculpted this clay. But it was lifeless until God breathed into him. He says the first man became a living person, but the last Adam. Somebody say the last Adam. The last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. Two very different uh, situations here. So let's, uh, let's fast forward very quickly. Let's jump into Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, and I'll read from 14 to 16. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Two things there, children of God and led by the Spirit. Amen. So all those that are led by the Spirit, I can say ditto at this point. <laughs> it's the same thing as he has said. I praise the Lord. So it's important for us to know that when we are talking about the life of God, we are not simply talking about being alive. You know, I'm living, I'm dead. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the eternal life of God that is beyond just living. Amen? That's why in verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 26 of the same John, the Bible says the Father has life in himself, and he has granted the same life-giving power to his Son. So the life that God has, that life is in Jesus. And that life 
Jesus is able to give to those that are his. Are we tracking? Praise the Lord. So when we talk about the life of God, we receive the life of God because we are in Christ. And the life, of, the life that we receive from Christ is the same life that is in God. And that's very important. Amen? Amen? Amen. So let's jump to our scripture of the month. So our scripture of the month says the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So the question, there's a question that is not asked, but we're given the answer. Why did Jesus come? Did he come to make you rich? It's in the plan. It's the source. It's the Abba. Abba Father. It's part of the plan. But the primary reason he came is not to start a new religion. Amen? The reason Jesus came is not to gather new followers. It's not to have a group of people with a new code of conduct. We are Christians. You know, the holiness order of the order of act, none of that. The reason he came is because man has been separated from God. Man is devoid of that life of God. So Jesus came to restore us back to the original order and the original intent and plan of God. So when you say a person is born again or a person has a new life, it is not to say we are now of the order of the, it's none of that. It's so that we can, that connection that was lost in the Garden of Eden can be restored. So I can now be reunited and reconnected back to God. Amen? And that's the life of God that we're talking about here. He says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I'm not going to go into any detail on this. In the New Testament, there are six words that are translated life. You know, so when we read the Bible sometimes, I understand our confusion and sometimes our frustration. If you go back, go back to uh, John chapter 10 from verse 10, I'll read 10 and 11 and make this point real quick and we'll move on. Let's read uh, the uh, New King James. Say, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The word translated life there is not the same as the word translated life in the next verse. Next verse, verse 11. It says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. It's two different words that is translated. But if you are reading the English Bible, you, you think it's talking about the same life. The first one in verse 10 is talking about zoe. Zoe is the life of God. The life of God, the very essence and nature of God. He says, I am come to give them zoe and make sure they have it what? More abundantly. But in verse 10, he says, the good shepherd lays down his life, his existence. He lays it down for the sheep. The difference being this. 
The difference being this. The person that has not been born again, the person that has not been reunited with the Spirit of God is living but does not have the life of God. And this has absolutely nothing to do with how you look and how you talk. In fact, there was a story uh, that I heard of a man, you know, very, I mean, dedicated in church. He served in whatever ministry they needed him to serve. And in fact, he was a good person. Until one day there was a revival and there was an altar call that was made and he came out to give his life to Christ. And they went to inquire of him. He said, I've never accepted Jesus. What my parents taught me is what I've been doing, that we must go to church and we must serve in church. What does that say? Even his children had a good testimony of him that they have never had their dad one day curse or use any bad word. He was a good person, but nonetheless without the life of God. Nonetheless without the life of God. But thank God he noticed that he needed the life of God. Eternal life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. When he accepted Jesus, they went back and asked if there was anything different about him. Because everybody that knew him knew him as a good person. He said, yes, he's still the same person that he was. He's still a good person. But there's a spark about him. There's a brightness. There's a joy about him. The, 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 the life of God brings about specific transformation in the life of the one that has received it. And we're going to look into that very quickly. So the other words, and I put them in the sermon notes. You can go check, you know, and I put some Bible verses to show you where those other words were used. But the one we are focused on is Zoe. Abundant life, as indicated by our theme of the month, is abundant Zoe, the eternal life of God. We receive the life of God at salvation. Our spirit becomes born again and not the flesh. Amen? Amen. This is very key. I'm going to tie everything up very shortly. When I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, what happens to me happens internally. The problem with a lot of people today is they are working it from outside inside. Let me do all the nice things and say all the right words and then maybe I will be born again. No, 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 no. It happens from within and the transformation that is taking place within you is what is then reflected in the way you live and the way you conduct yourself. You know, a lot of times when we talk about the life of God or the life of the believer and all of those things that we talk about, we're talking about the conduct. But eternal life supersedes far beyond our conduct and manner of life. When you have the life of God, it will, it will impact on your conduct. You cannot accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and everything remains the same. I will tell you where we, 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 we struggle with that. So eternal life is the miracle of salvation. How do I receive 
the life of God. The life of God is impacted to us by the Holy Spirit. Watch this. It is a gift, therefore it is a choice. If I say, praise, I give, this is an example. Everybody can bear me witness. Just doing an illustration here. Praise, take. <laughs> you see, it was her choice. She could say, oh, no, no, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm good. I'm good. She could say that. She could say, I'm good, I'm good. When it is a gift, you have a choice to receive. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So the life of God is a gift. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Romans 6, 23. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God. Somebody said the free gift of God. The free gift of God is eternal life, zoe. When you check the Greek, it is zoe. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Remember, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and was asking questions, and Jesus told him he had to be born again. So how, how can a man be born again? In verse 6 of John chapter 3, Jesus said to him, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. If I want the life of God, it can only be gotten by the Spirit. My church affiliation does not give me eternal life. Oh, I'm a member of the redeemed Christian church of God. Praise God for that. But it doesn't guarantee eternal life. I'm a member in the department of uh, holy police. It doesn't guarantee eternal life. What you do does not guarantee eternal life. It's what you are that guarantees it. The change that has taken place within us. Praise the Lord. It says, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to what? Spiritual life. We are born of the Spirit. Let me jump quickly because of time. What is the purpose of eternal life in our lives? What does eternal life do for us? Why is eternal life important? I've said it time and time again. The only connection we have to God is our spirit. The number one thing the life of God does for you and I is it regenerates our spirit. Our spirit that has gone dark is suddenly receiving the light of God and is coming back alive. So I can now hear from God. I can communicate with God. God can lead me by his spirit. I can understand spiritual instructions. Praise the Lord. The number one thing the life of God does for us is transformation. Transformation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. You know it very well. Let's read 17 and 18. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person, a new creation. A new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things. Somebody say all things. All things have become new. When I accept Jesus, 
Again, remember, this transformation is taking place in your spirit man. Amen? You become a brand new species that has never existed before. Say, so all things have passed away and all things have become new. The new living translation says, a new life has begun. I'm starting a new life. Verse 18, it says, and all of this is a gift from God. It's a gift. It's not, <laughs> the reason I am saved, the reason I'm born again, is not because I'm better than the next person. The reason I am saved is because I accepted the gift that was offered to me. Amen? I have accepted that gift and it's, it has the ability to transform my life. You know? There's a, there's a testimony of a lady I heard. The story went that she did not develop mentally. You know? Uh, she was 18, but behaving like a two-year-old. You know, she would come and lie on the pew next to her mom during church service. Imagine a, an 18-year-old hopping from the second row over the chairs to get to the row in front of her, pulling up her skirt, you know, just not a pretty sight. But one day, an altar call was made. I mean, I, I couldn't get over this myself. And for some reason... She just came out for the altar call. Nobody prompted her. Nobody pushed her. Nothing. She just came out, accepted Jesus. And from that day, she became a, a different person. It was like her brain was switched out. She started behaving like an 18-year-old. Her manner of speech, her conduct, everything about her changed. A complete and total transformation. You know the story of Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times. But the same Peter, when he received the life of God, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, he stood before great multitudes and preached a powerful sermon. 3,000 people gave their life to Christ. He was no longer ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The life of God will bring about a transformation in our lives. You know, and I can attest to this for myself. You know, every time, and I've, I've told you this story. I know some of, many of you don't believe it. Many of you don't believe it. You know, that I can stand before you to speak and teach and do whatever else I do is because of that transformation that has taken place. And believe me, even sometimes it's still a struggle. But the, as the spirit leads, I follow. Amen? So the problem, I, I, I want to... Hey. All right. Let me jump ahead of myself. Now that you have received the spirit of God, if you are born again, that spirit, that life, the life of God, is able to transform your life. The way it transforms your life is not by making you. It's not going to make you do anything. You get what I'm saying? It's going to lead you, but you must follow. He will lead you in the right thing to do. It will direct you in the right place to go, but you have to 
by an act of your will, decide to do it. Amen? So, when God was prompting me, for example, you know, I could say, well, that's not my calling. No. I'm a supporter, which is what I've always said. I said, we are the ones that strengthen the arms of the pastors. You know, I'm, I will always be there for my pastor. And that's what I've done up until that time. Amen? I said, that is my calling. That is my... But the Spirit is nudging and leading you. It is on you to say, yes, Lord. The Spirit is not going to force you to say, yes, Lord. So there are many people today that are saying, yes, I know what you are saying, but no, I'm not going to do it. You are saying no by your inaction. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The new life was evident in the life of the disciples of Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, remember the story, they arrested Peter and John, they beat them up, they did all kinds of things to them. And then in verse 13, watch this. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that these were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized as men they had been with Jesus. So what happened to them? They received the life of God and they were transformed. They became New men. New men, they were doing what things they couldn't do before. But that's not because the Spirit forced them. The Spirit will not force you. Anything that is obsessive, compulsive, that's the devil. That's not God. He will nudge you. He will tell you. He will suggest to you. He can send different people to you. You know, Kule can show up and say, oh, pastor, you know, I've been thinking about this. He doesn't know. He's, he thinks he's just speaking generally. But because of the conversation I've been having with God before, I know that's God speaking to me. You know, Sheung can come and then begin to say something along those lines again. You know, you know what is happening? The Spirit is nudging you. Amen? Some of us, we had the gospel of salvation like back to back, back to back, conviction, conviction, and then finally say, Lord, you know what? I give up. I surrender. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So the, the life of God brings about a transformation in the life of the recipient. When we receive the life of God, it, trans, it transforms our life. Peter was a common fisherman. Matthew was a tax collector, like the kind of folks that nobody wanted to deal with. The Bible says the council members could not but recognize that these were mere men. Mere men. There are great accomplishments that you can come upon just because of the life of God in you. Praise the Lord. When we say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, it is because I have the life of God in me. There is no limitation for me unless the ones I have put upon myself. I praise the Lord. No limitation. When this, the enemy is nudging you to do the wrong thing, the Holy Spirit will be there checking you. Say, no, you are a child of God. You shouldn't do that. I shouldn't do that. Number two, the 
life of God brings light into the life of the recipient. John 1, 4. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The life of God provides illumination in our lives. We are no longer under the control of darkness. Darkness is ignorance. Light is knowledge. You know, the Bible says the light exposes everything. Ephesians 4.14. Light reveals everything. When li How many of you, you've been looking for something in the dark? You know, maybe by your bed stand. You are sure you have touched every area on the light uh, lamp stand, and then the light comes on. What do you do? You hiss. <laughs> it was right there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Light reveals. As a child of God, someone that has accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, look within. The light of God will give you revelation. It will expose to you the hidden things. Without the life of God, without this new life, we live in darkness, we live in ignorance. Ephesians 5, verse 8 and 9, Ephesians 5, 8 and 9, it says, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord, hallelujah. So live as people of light. You have the light. You have the light. Everywhere you go, shine that light. Be the light. Praise the Lord. There is something in you that the world is waiting to receive. I'm not a nobody. It's not pride. Amen? The Bible says the council members recognized even though they were ordinary men, they were ordinary men doing extraordinary things. Amen? It is already in you. Somebody say it is in me. It is in me. I'm not looking for it. it is, you, see, you don't even believe it. <laughs> it is in me. It's in you already. It's in you already. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. May the Lord shine his light upon every darkness in your life. In the mighty name of Jesus. The spirit, the life of God gives direction. He gives you, he said, as many as are led. So, it will always lead you in the right way for you. You know, I said something in Ohio, you know, and I could tell on the look, from the look on the faces of the people. I said, you have two job offers. One is paying so much more than the other. I said, oh, there's no brainer. Yes, there is a brainer. <laughs> Don't go with the, the price tag. You go with the price tag, that might be a surprise for you at the end of the tunnel. Amen. You get there and within, not you, they get there. Whoever is choosing like that. They get there and in three months, company folds up. You have lost the other opportunity. Now the market has changed. So everybody is downsizing. It's the reason they shut down anyway. So it's difficult to get a job because of bad decision. I praise the Lord. But the life of God uh, we have ignored. If we will give attention to the life of God in us, uh, we will receive direction. We will receive leading. But for the vast majority of us, when we talk about the leading of the Holy Spirit, we're thinking of good things, yes? 
lead you to the palace. Lead you to where the money is. Show me the money. Show me the money. You know, but in Matthew chapter 4 verse 1, the Bible says the spirit led Jesus to the wilderness to be tempted. There is a qualification for the next level. Until you pass the test, the next level is always going to seem like a mirage. So sometimes the spirit will lead you to a place where you are proven. You know, so the temptation there is to prove you, to prove you and make you ready for the next thing that God wants to do. You will not fail God. I will not fail God. In the name of Jesus. The last one here is freedom. The life of God gives us freedom. The life of God gives us what? Freedom and the life of God safeguards us. Remember our scripture of the month. It said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But the life of God safeguards you around, all of, uh, for, away from all of those things. So the enemy is not able to steal from you. He's not able to kill you. He's not able to destroy you. Why? Because of the life of God. It becomes like a shield for you. But with the life of God, we have freedom. The life of God unshackles us and frees us from bondage and compulsion to sin. You know, a believer that sins, sins by choice. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? There's this thing, it just forces me and makes me. No, nothing is making you. Watch this. Romans chapter 6, 12 to 14. Romans 6, 12 to 14. It says, do not let. Somebody say let. You know, English is not my first language, but when you say let, it means permit. Allow. It means allow. You, you are the one giving permission. He said, do not give permission for sin to control the way you live. So if it does, it means I am the one permitting it. You know? You know the sin that easily besets you. You know that one, the thing that you can't resist. Why carry yourself to where you know you cannot resist? They <laughs> said, no, I'm born again now. Power, power. And then you carry yourself there. Now you are, you are flat on your face. Oh, Lord, I did it again. <laughs> Just don't go there. I praise the Lord. Say, so I only have one weakness in my life, my boyfriend. Get away from him. Fire him. Say, bro, I love you. In fact, you are my very breath. But you are killing the life of God in me. I'm telling you, can I be honest here? I just have conclusion after this. I'm telling you my own story. You know, when I gave my life to I loved the Lord. I loved the Lord. In fact, the young lady was the one that actually invited me to church. You know, and after I gave my life to Christ, you know, I forgot that I was chasing her. You know, and I had a new focus. I was so focused on Jesus. Like three months later, she now said, ah, bro, there was something you were saying before I brought you here. I said, oh, 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 about that matter. That was the beginning of the end. I'm serious. Then we started dating. Then I fell flat on my face. 
And one day I made a decision. I'm like, look, outside of this relationship, my work with God is fine. So I just told her. In fact, I was writing a note. She stumbled on the note and read it in the note. So it just, you know how God works. You know, so it just made it, I didn't have to really say it. It was difficult for me, but God saw to it that she read it. He said, what do you mean? I said, this is what the Lord is saying. You know, and she herself was a Christian. We were the obstacle in each other's life. And that is why I'm saying that to sin as a believer is a choice. Because you, you your very own self, you know it's wrong. So why are you doing it? It's a choice. It's a choice. Then verse 13, he says, okay, no, let's read 12. Do not let permission, right? Do not allow sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. 13, do not let, do not permit, do not allow any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give is an act of the will. You see it? It's an act of my will. Instead, you give yourself. I can't read what is there. Give yourself completely to God for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Somebody say, I'm in charge. I'm in charge. I have freedom to do the right thing. I have freedom to say no to sin. I have freedom to live for God. You see that? Verse 14, it says, sin is no longer your master. <laughs> this is scripture. Don't just read the ones you like. God will do exceedingly abundantly above all that I may think. It's true, but this is also true. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Lift both hands to heaven and say, Lord, I am free. Thank you for the freedom you have given unto me. The freedom to do the right thing. The freedom to worship you. The freedom to walk with you. In the mighty name of Jesus. You must make a decision. Let's rise to our feet, brethren. People of God. That is a decision that I have to make. It's a decision. It's a decision that I am going to follow the leading of the Spirit. It's not mass effect. Everybody is doing it. It's your name, everybody. In fact, it's your alias, everybody. No, I am me. Uniquely fashioned. Fearfully fashioned. Amen? Just lift up both hands to heaven and say, Father, I come unto you. Help me. The scripture says, 
the scripture says. Let's say it together. The scripture says that sin no longer has power over me. Therefore, I live, I walk as a free man because of the abundant life of God. In the name of Jesus. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.